Into the Archives with Peter Fleming. A quest for the lost children's television classics of Peter Fleming. Presented by me, Peter Fleming. This week, Saturday morning. Well, yo there, my fellow hepcats and hip daddies. Peter Fleming here, keeping it real with Auntie Beebs since the 1960s. Why am I speaking to you adults in this ridiculous manner? Well, I can tell you any children listening will have understood perfectly. And if you're not with us, that's your lookout, Gov. Oh yes, I'm not quite the stiff old starchy you might think. My career at the BBC wasn't all listen to teacher and let's respect the authorities, though I did make series by both those names in 1964 and 1965, respectively. I knew how to have a manic, madcap time of a Saturday morning, and all through 1975, that's exactly what I was doing, wreaking mayhem on the nation's living rooms and Studio Two of Television Centre within reason for three hours live every weekend. And that is what I'll be talking about today. I know I'd advertised an episode this week about whether Release the Dinosaurs caused the storming of the Natural History Museum in 1969, but I've since realised I was getting it confused with my 1973 series, Boo to You Greeks, which did cause the storming of the British Museum. Uh, But the security guards there managed to hold on to the Elgin marbles, so no harm done. Anyway, it's Saturday morning, so relax, get comfy, and let's lose our minds. This is Peter Remembers. Well, it was late 1974, and the BBC's attention had been grabbed by ATV's Tizwas, which fact fans will be interested to know actually stood for um, Associated Television's Tizwas. The BBC wanted a piece of the action and tasked me with developing something of our own. Madness was the watchword, so within a few months and for the whole of the next year, we were broadcasting every weekend from the Saturday Asylum. Uh, The asylum elements and setting became less important as the run went on, we kept some throughout. Uh, our weekly guests always answered questions in straitjackets and also took part in our Loosen the Loonies game, where they'd be restrained on beds and competing teams of children would have to release them in the fastest time. If they were still tied down when the klaxon went, that was where they stayed for the rest of the morning. Unless we forgot about them, in which case it would be significantly longer. And, of course, as well as our presenters, Jane and Mick, we also had a cast of lovable lunatic characters that haunted the asylum. One that really left an impression was the Globby Gabbler, a bizarre gelatinous creature that hobbled round the studio growling, chuckling and occasionally spraying custard from the top of his head. We gave out bowls of fruit crumble to the audience so they could hold them up and catch a serving. Never really found out who it was. Discovered him cowering in a prop store in costume one day, but uh, now I'm starting to wonder if it was really a person at all. I never knew for certain. As, uh, six months in, he caused a riot in the canteen. We had to set him free. Uh, just opened the doors of the building and he cantered away, vanished into White City Tube Station and uh, never seen again. Uh, some of my colleagues said they could hear him in the tunnels for years afterwards, but 
I don't see how he could have survived down there. I guess he was just eating his own custard. On the other hand, the box man was with us for the whole series. It was played by whichever member of the production team was most willing or indeed least busy that week. He wore normal clothes, a trousers, shirt, a pullover, but his head was a padlocked wooden box. The idea was that he'd just keep knocking into everything and cause general chaos, a very useful distraction if anything went wrong, which, as we were live, it did every couple of minutes. It helped us play for time, and we had to pull out all the stops to fill that gargantuan three-hour slot. It came up with all sorts of regular segments to help us through. We were always sure to get a pop group on, for one thing, so they could perform a number or two. And then they and the other guests could join in with competitions and our phone-ins, more on both of those later, as well as the uh, games I've mentioned earlier. And if uh, those were over too quickly, we could get them to play a board game instead. I even came up with one or two of my own. Uh, turned out I've got a real knack for repurposing a Ludo board when I need to. Another way we regularly played for time was by venturing out of the studio altogether into the bowels of Television Centre to see what else was going on. Show children exactly how their telly gets made. A really fascinating stuff, you know. Though quite often you'd just bump into magazine programmes who'd had the exact same idea. Still, the children could always watch those too and enjoy our various altercations from different angles. Failing all else, we were very lucky that madness was our watchword, because it meant you could create all manner of chaos and mayhem in the studio, and that could stay interesting for up to ten minutes. I remember on one occasion when things were lagging, we just handed out some tennis balls to children in the audience to chuck about all at once. They went all over the place, uh, hit guests, crew, cameras, microphones. It was very entertaining, uh, although eventually it did start to impede transmission, so I, I had to march down onto the floor and be more of a voice of authority there. Uh, the quickest way was to make an example of the boy nearest to me. About eight years old, I think he was. He hadn't actually hurled a ball yet, but I dragged him in front of everyone. The cameras were looking away, and I just screamed my lungs out at him. Don't you dare cross the BBC, boy, I said. Uh, we're bigger and more powerful than you will ever be, and if you cause us trouble, we will crush you, because we are the BBC and we can. Now, none of that was true, of course, but you have to be firm, don't you? And after that, the children were only as rebellious as we needed them to be. Oh, but please uh, don't worry about the boy, by the way. He was uh, humiliated, but I've since found out that he certainly didn't bear any grudge against the BBC, as he has now, in fact, grown up to be none other than Director General Tim Davy. Oh, Christ. Uh, all in all, though, I, I have to say that Saturday Asylum was one of my great successes at the BBC. I'm very proud of it, you know. Eventually, I tired of that gruelling workload and made way for Swap Shop, but I must say, it's nice to be looking back on a programme that ended on my terms for a change. <laughs> oh, yes, not every programme of mine was cancelled, you know. Just uh, pretty much all my favourites. Uh, the Saturday Asylum wasn't sold too widely, alas, with most countries opting to take the format as inspiration for programmes of their own. The uh, best hope in this country lies in the chance that any viewers lucky enough to have a domestic video recorder might have taped the odd moment or two. Although I did also hear many years ago that the tapes had been sneakily copied before wiping by an engineer hoping to make a few quid on the side, and as a result, a dubbed, heavily edited version of the entire series is still broadcast to this day in North Korea. If you have any contacts there, do please get in touch. And if you'd like to have some madcap fun of your own at home, then I might have just the thing for you in this commercial message. 
Commission is the exciting new Peter Fleming board game. Choose to be one of six Peter Fleming classics and roll the die to make your way to the middle of TV Centre to transmit your programme, picking up bonus and penalty cards along the way. Head of Children's Monica Sims has extended your commission by four episodes. Move forward two places. Edward Barnes has taken over and doesn't like the look of you. Miss a turn. Get to the final square to broadcast. But beware, it's still 50-50 whether you win with a runaway hit or are disqualified with a Mary Whitehouse onslaught. Each box includes handwritten instructions and a heartfelt message from Peter. I didn't have a pen, so to keep it personal, I've written them in my own blood. Order yours now for just £50 to cover costs, £50 for postage, £50 for a square meal, and £50 to stop me feeling so dizzy all of a sudden. Warning, some penalty cards breach libel and slander laws and should not be read out loud. If undesired, give handwritten message to your nearest blood donation centre. It's O positive. Order now! See, I told you I've got the neck. <laughs> Ours have fun, that. And an education in the workings of the department, too, so there's something for everyone. Uh, but now, it's time for us to look at some merchandise from the ruins of the Saturday Asylum and delve into... Peter's Private Collection. Well, one of the best ways to keep our audience involved in the fun was to give them the chance to win prizes. And I've still got one or two leftovers with me today. We often tried getting hold of bits and bobs other programmes had lying around to send out and save waste, and we could put our own asylum spin on things. For instance, we started a running feature where one lucky winner each week could nominate someone they didn't like very much to be sent a rotten cabbage from Cracker Jack. They really were repulsive things. I must say, this one's kept surprisingly well. It's a little pungent. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, ah, uh, another item here which will stir some memories. Uh, any child in our audience and anyone who got a question through on the phone got themselves a highly coveted Saturday Asylum pencil, which, in keeping with our maverick sensibility, we always broke before handing over. Did it right in front of the children as well. It's all part of the fun. Uh, I've got a back end here. Completely useless. Uh, what else do we have? Ah, this is the best one. This is from our big competition. Uh, every week, our team would put down a deposit for a house somewhere in Britain. And if you sent in the right answer to that week's question on a postcard, you could get pulled out of the hat and win it for your family. It shows the difference in budget back then, doesn't it? And the housing market, too. Now, somehow we ended up with a spare, and I always kept the keys in case I ever needed somewhere new to stay. I mean, the BBC hadn't noticed, had they? Unfortunately, when that situation finally arose, it turned out the building had been demolished for luxury flats. Recently, I've gone and tried wangling one of those instead. I flashed the keys, tried bribing them with a cabbage and half a pencil, but they were having none of it. Uh, well, let's move back now to happier memories, and for my money, one of the best moments on the Saturday Asylum, with today's riotous dip into the audio archive. Audio Archive. Now, as I mentioned before, we always had a pop group on every week, and not always the big names I hoped for. I really do think the Beach Boys would have been better named the perpetually unavailable to the point of suspicious boys. Uh, but I digress. Uh, one week, we had on the little-known Sheffield-based glam skiffle duo Wacky Washboards. And after they performed their debut and soon-to-be-farewell single, also called Wacky Washboards, we put them in their straight jackets, ready to set us straight by answering our questions, with Jane soliciting them from our studio audience and from viewers over the phone. 
The rest, as they say, is history, and fortunately captured in this, the only off-air fan recording currently known to exist. Over to you, Jane. Thank you, Sophie. And that was, do you find it uncomfortable performing in suits made entirely out of washboards? No, no, it's in the gear, don't Yeah, and I can scrub the guitar clean while I play. <laughs> right. Well, we can take some questions from you at home now. We've got Paul on line one. Hello, Paul. Hello. I'd like to ask Wacker Wasboards, why are they so fucking crap? Why are they so fucking crap? Right, thanks, Paul. We'll have our next caller now. Oh, Is Sally on line two there? Hello. Hi. Have you got a sensible question for Wacky Washboards? Yes. All right, go ahead. Hi, can I have your autograph? Uh, yeah. Thank you. Is that it? Oh, uh, also, why are you so fucking crap? Right, thank you, Sally. Questions are a bit sillier than we usually like today, so I think we'll just try one more. Is Martin on line three there? Hello. Now, I haven't got a question. I have been watching at home with my two children, and I have to say, the language you have just allowed to be broadcast on your programme is completely warranted, because wacky washboards are absolute fucking crap! Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, wacky washboards, for... Oh, look, it's the Boxman. Hello, Boxman. <laughs> Boxman. No. No. There you are, TV gold. <laughs> I'd love to see the pictures from that, you know. Uh, what happened was I'd called for the box man to create a distraction from that very first admittedly justified accusation that wacky washboards were um, effing C-R-A-P. Uh, the trouble was uh, nobody could find him, uh, so I put on a spare box myself and shot down from the gallery to intervene. Uh, so that's me you can hear. Uh, what you were hearing just as the clip cut out was the sound of me tripping and flying towards the poor wacky washboard lads. Uh, stops just before the moment of impact, but uh, I remember the box came down pretty heavily on one of their heads and really added injury to insult. Fortunately for his music career, he forgot entirely who he was as a result, and I understand he's now a very successful jazz pianist. You're very welcome, young man. <laughs> well, now I think there's just time to take a look at some of your own correspondence and check in on the preparations for my global archive expedition in... Messages from Beyond. Well... Between finishing my stint on the farm last week and fleeing to avoid the composting I discovered they'd had planned for me, I received two letters, so thank you very much for those. Uh, firstly, uh, oh, it's a bill for the farm. Yeah, I must have picked it up by accident in the rush. Uh, well, I'll pop that back in the post, and uh, <laughs> here's hoping it's as urgent as the envelope says. <laughs> It'll teach them. Uh, secondly, uh, ah, Sarah from last week has replied. Uh, oh, she's already got Rochelle's letter translated, have you? Oh, that was quick. Uh, what does she say? Uh, Dear Peter, my great aunt and I have been emailing, ooh, very posh, uh, about the letter you received, and it was not for you. Oh, uh, oh what does she say? Didn't you realise from the fact it was addressed to a man called Mathieu? Well, Mathieu could be French for Peter. I, I don't know these things. Uh, she goes on, We would be happy to do a direct translation of the clip you played from French television in any case. Uh, oh, of course. Well, why didn't she offer that in the first place? Uh, However, the sound quality is very poor, so please provide a transcript. Well, I can't transcribe it because I don't speak French, do I? That's the whole point. 
Oh, well, thank you anyway, Sarah. I, I do appreciate you being so helpful. Uh, any fivers enclosed this time? Uh, no. Mm. Oh, but she has included a French phrase book. Well, how very kind, Sarah. Perhaps I'll be able to track down my programmes after all. Or should that be... Uh, where's the television archive section of this? Food shopping at the doctor. Who wants to know any of this? Uh, well, uh, things here are looking hopeful as ever, so let's see how much we've raised for my expedition so far. After all, flying to North Korea doesn't come cheap, does it? With a look at my travel totalizer. Well, the target of £500 had been starting to look a little steep, to tell you the truth, so I've actually this week lowered it to £100 by cutting out a few extras and, uh, and essentials. And I'm pleased to say I was able to work off my remaining debts last week after all, bringing me back up to zero. And as a result, I can confirm our current total is... Minus £100. Why did I get all these Ludo sets? My God. Uh, well, uh, do please get in touch if you'd like to order your commission board game or send donations and information to help the expedition. And again, if you're listening, Gemma and Roger in the Chichester area, I don't know if you've tried getting in touch, but uh, I haven't heard from you. I, I, I keep a look out for your handwriting, Gemma, but uh, still nothing. Uh, I hope everything's all right at your end and uh, you've not forgotten me. Uh, if you would like to get in touch uh, to discuss your memories of floating Mr McAllister or, or just offer some encouragement, uh, please do. It'd be lovely to hear from you again. And, uh, and here's the address to use. Peter Fleming, crouched near the reception desk, ground floor, Windscape Apartments, where number 77 Granville Street used to be, Granville Street, Manchester... M, uh, well, it's it's near the M60, so perhaps that's worth a try. I look forward to hearing from you. Messages from Beyond. That's about all we've got time for on Into the Archives this week, but join us again next time when I'll be looking back to the renowned stunt from the climax of 1967's The Great Train Juggle, asking... Was it really worth the human cost? And answering, yes. Until then, my friends, keep up the search, keep in touch, and stay tuned. Into the Archives was presented by Peter Fleming. His archivist and producer of the programme is Tom Burgess. Music and sound were found in a skip in Made Vale by Peter Fleming and remastered by Tom Burgess. The Saturday Asylum was produced by Peter Fleming and, though they always denied it, directed by Paddy Russell, Sarah Hellings and David Maloney. The clip was used with the kind permission of Rex Wriggler and remastered by Tom Burgess. Special thanks to Rob Bond, Amy Gledhill and Suze Kempner. The Daleks were created by Terry Nation. This programme was a Peter Fleming production for... Well, just a laugh, really. <laughs>